and you are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hello everyone and welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Today I am joined by a very special guest to myself. Uh, he does something that I am longing to do, which would be the acting of voices. Uh, today I'm joined by Kennedy Phillips. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. I hope you're having a good day as well. A uh, busy day, but definitely a good day. I can't deny that. <laughs> uh, hopefully you aren't uh, too stressed out today with everything you've got going on. Yeah, I've, I've got quite a bit going on right now. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a sound designer by trade, so um, a lot of my day job involves me handling a lot of big projects. I've got a really big one on my hands right now, and I'm absolutely ecstatic to be working on it. But I, I can't go into too much detail about it at the moment. It's not Mega Zogar related or like my own audio show or anything like that, but it's it's supposed to be coming out sometime next month, I hope. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Well, leading it, you know, you just kind of touched on it. You know, the the first thing that we like to do on breaking the fourth wall is have the guests kind of tell maybe you know what they're most noted for or what you feel like you would be most recognized. And you just kind of briefly said it there for a second. So I'll ask the question formally. What what is your you know, largest accomplishment, you think? Well, um, right now, uh, well, first off, greetings. My name is Kennedy Phillips. I'm a, uh, I'm a sound designer, video editor, uh, voice actor, and Foley artist by trade. A man of many hats, considering that the work is sparse at uh, <laughs> times. But um, the thing that I'm most noted for, I imagine, would be uh, I, I had worked on um, Draw My Dream, with uh with dreamworks tv oh wow that's cool. uh, i worked on amaterasu which is a short film done by the jim henson company uh i am the creator of magus elgar which is an audio drama of my creation and currently i am the sound designer for a little pilot that's coming up very soon called has been hotel that is a lot to have on somebody's plate <laughs> yeah those are those aren't just a lot of hats. Those are very large hats, I imagine. Um, you know, I personally have seen and listened to Magus Elgar, and I really enjoy that. I recommend everybody checking it out for sure. Um, at the end of the show, maybe you can tell everybody where to go to, um, you know, get their hands on it, get their ears on it, and and hear yeah, what's I, going on. I can tell them a little about it if you like. Yeah, sure, that would be great. Okay, so Magus Elgar is a fantasy comedy inspired by the works of Terry Pratchett, the man who made Discworld and Good Omens. Uh, think uh, Lord of the Rings written by Monty Python. It's about two magi in the magical world of Hearth, where they discover a brand new form of magic completely unknown to them from the dimension of Earth called science. In order to better understand it, they travel there and accidentally blow up the house of a quantum scientist's laboratory. And all of his tools end up in the magical world of Hearth and take on magical properties. So they team up together with the scientists to uh, find ways to defuse them before they rip all of reality apart. 
or at least before people find out it was their fault. <laughs> and if that doesn't intrigue you to go listen to it, I, I don't know what will. Um, it, it's highly, highly entertaining. Um, right from the get-go, you can kind of tell the tone that this whole thing is going to go on. Um, that It launches straight into it. Uh, so, you know, kind of talking about everything that you've done from sound designing and voice acting and, and doing all these little projects and stuff. What kind of led you down this road? What made you want to do this? Well, um, when I was a very young lad of only a few years old, my parents had come and approached me and told me, Child, what do you wish to be when you grow up? I looked at the television, and at the time, I believe Muppet Babies was playing, and I saw the episode with Kermit the Frog wanting to be a taxi driver, and I said, I want to do that. That lasted about 15 seconds before a little bit later, where I looked at and just pointed at the TV again during uh, where it showed the Nickelodeon logo and says, I want to do that. <laughs> Thus was my journey to begin to become a, uh, a filmmaker of some kind. Nice. Uh, and I focused on that almost exclusively my entire life. Uh, when I was 12, I made I made short films, uh, most of which were um, mystery and intrigue surrounding my dog as a private investigator. Uh, Hard-boiled, of course. Um, I, in high school, I, I started learning how to edit, um, and I made music videos, most notably of using Linkin Park, because, of course, I was that kind of basic. Um, and when I got to college, I started making uh, audio dramas for fun, because a friend of mine had introduced me to an audio drama called Professor Nebulous, which was made by Mark Gatiss and Nicholas Briggs, uh, who you might know Nicholas Briggs as the voice of the Daleks in Doctor Who. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was a parody of Doctor Who, and I fell in love with it. And it, it compelled me to make my own, even though it wasn't that great. Because, you know, uh, first two years of college, you're still trying to understand who you are as a person, let alone what kind of skills you'll have. <laughs> By the time I got out of uh, my master's degree in film production over at Chapman University... Um, I decided that I wanted to go back into audio uh, dramas because uh, now I had a new shiny set of skills and professional equipment that I can get this off the ground with. And the rest was history. That's awesome. That's cool that you kind of knew that right from the start and you went for it, you know, instead of most kids like myself who were extremely wishy-washy and uh at 37 still don't know what they want to do with their lives um so it sounds like throughout this entire trip um you've kind of had a, a singular goal in mind you've kind of chased after it so did you have a lot of uh support within your family you know i i really did um my parents are both uh home health nurses um, and have been stru uh, wrestling with the, the medical industry for all their lives, trying to make sure that everybody got the proper care that they deserved. And the one conclusion that my parents both had about this was that they didn't want me to have to struggle in the same way they do. Mm. So they, they're both, both uh, their sets of their parents were not like quite on board with a lot of the stuff that they did in the past. So they gave me a lot of support. They, they encouraged me to do my thing, encouraged me to chase after this, all of this stuff. 
and don't get me wrong there were there were limits to chasing the dream <laughs> they would have like uh when when i first uh released magus elgar the audio drama my father didn't quite understand what it is that i had for the show and was he was under the impression that like this is a waste of time you need to go do something else something more productive go or you need to start pursuing a bigger version of this project before it gets too stale he was worried it was going to wallow in obscurity or something like that but then we ended up getting nominated for best original work for best writing best sound design and his tone changed considerably oh. but he was, i want i want to make it clear like they were they were always in massive support for me, and I cannot be more grateful. And they weren't the only ones. I, I had all of my roommates, uh, people who lived with me, uh, my colleagues um, would bounce ideas off of me, uh, encourage me, help me get into areas that I needed to be to make this a reality. Um, some even pitched in a little bit for when I was, uh, when I was uh, feeling financially strapped trying to get this thing off the ground. That's awesome. That's great to have people in your corner like that, Tom. Like, that's really, really cool. So, you know, you, you've kind of done a little bit of both sides of animation area kind of stuff. So, my question to you now would be, do you prefer to do the sound editing over the, the voice work or vice versa? I find both to be inseparable in a lot of cases. Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of the things with my sound design is that I tend to make a lot of noises with my mouth um, and use like some aspects of my voice to provide effects and other things like that. So when I'm doing the sound design, I always have my microphone really close to me. So that if I needed to make some kind of uh, some kind of noise that would fit the scenario or something like that, I would always be ready to do it. But also, like there's extras and other voice characters that need to be taken care of, and we don't have the time to do anything like that. So I just pop in my own voice or something to get it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could understand that. You, you can't do the voice of everybody, right? No, no, of course not. <laughs> so, but what there's would, in this crazy day and age with all the insane stuff that they put on television these days which you know from the sounds of it you probably don't have a lot of time for but in the off chance that you do what would you say your favorite cartoon is right now my favorite cartoon right now I mean, there's, there's been a couple of cartoons that have been um, really big way back in the day that I was a huge fan of. Um, I would say that I've been raised on... I, 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 I grew up with Don Bluth cartoons. Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, The Secret of Nim, Rockadoodle, if, yeah. if I... If I'll freely admit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed pretty much all of his, his repertoire. And I, I really enjoyed the maturity that he would bring to some of these stories even as a kid. Um, but I would say as of recent, like probably one of the shows that really hit me the hardest that really got to me and got me really excited was gravity falls. Oh yeah. That's a good one. And there, of course there are a couple of other contenders coming off, uh, like recently infinity train, which was this very cute series that explored some very 
dark tones about uh, separate, like family separation of, of like going through a div- uh, family, a kid going through a divorce. Um, yeah, see, I saw the commercials for it, but I was never actually able to see it. So, um, you know, maybe it's because it's a miniseries. You'd probably have to look all, all, all somewhere all over the place. I've been going through uh, Young Justice right now, which uh, the third season takes this very surprisingly mature direction where they're just not afraid to kill people. Oh, wow. In, in really brutal ways. Like, they, one of the first episodes, there's, like, blood strewn across the wall where, like, uh, these two political figures had been assassinated. And, like, a lot of the tone, like, you could definitely tell that they're gearing much towards college students for for such a thing like it's definitely a drama more than just a kid's show that's that's actually pretty surprising actually um it, it seems like it's it's not a uh, common thing to deal with those kind of things in a cartoon unless it's you know an anime or something yeah like there it's it's kind of astonishing because with young justice i can tell you there's I can. There's at least three separate instances where a character just grabs someone by the neck and snaps it, like without like pulling away or, or being or censoring it. Just full death on screen. Wow, it's just nuts. <laughs> I think I, might I, I find it. I find it oddly But like I, I, that's the one thing that I really appreciate about the medium for cartoons is that there's such a wide range of things nowadays that like now people in my generation are the ones making all the drawings and they're coming up with fascinating ways to tell new stories in ways that 10, 15 years ago would never have been approved by a committee. Right. Yeah, they would have. Oh, that's way too violent. You can't do that. I mean, of course, they found ways to get around it back in the day, like Rocco's Modern Life and Animaniacs come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the trick, which, the yeah. trick is, kid, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you put in the raunchy jokes first, so that the lesser raunchy ones can get under their noses. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, so obviously, you know, listening to your shows, you're very good at the at the sound editing and. Uh, dealing with um how the how everything sounds and is put together and you're you're good with voices as we've heard a couple times so far um so those are obviously your what you're very good at anybody would be able to kind of see these things and be like oh yep that's that's what he's good at so my question now is do you have anything that people wouldn't suspect you were good at well, something that they'd be actually surprised about is something that I do uh, pretty frequently is I um, I actually do a lot of uh, role-playing. Uh, mostly I run RPGs like uh, Dungeons & Dragons, Savage Worlds, Pathfinder, and all of those things. I run these games and I, I, I try to bring a, a unique perspective about them in that I, I actually improv a lot of these games because they're a great way for me to practice my voice acting, my my uh, my my world building, and ultimately my my storytelling chops. Because I I feel that it would be more accurate to identify myself as a storyteller first and foremost. Because I, I write stories, I I tell tales based on 
anecdotes of my life, whether they be exaggerated or not. Um, but there's not really any one medium that I stick very closely to. I try doing all of it. Like right now I'm, I'm editing a, a feature length film. I'm sound designing a cartoon. I'm writing an audio drama and I'm also writing about three or four different RPGs that maybe one point in my life I'd like to broadcast as a story for something else. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. I, I would love to hear more of your voices in other scenarios, like in a D&D setting and things like that, which um, you know we may end up actually getting to. I think some stuff is in the works for that but i don't want to give away any secrets just yet <laughs> um so my moving along my list here of uh random questions that i would like to ask you this next one I, it, it's kind of a thinking question unless you know maybe you wear it on your sleeve or so to speak so uh, what would what would be the funniest joke that you know by heart Hmm. Okay, so like, uh, I wouldn't say the funniest joke that I have at the moment, but it is uh, one that I've been I've been really enjoying lately. Uh, uh, I hearken this back to the days of The Simpsons, um, back when they were really good. I I had stopped watching them around season eight, and that's when they changed hands they changed writers and Matt Groening wasn't working on it anymore so I'd stopped watching it but then someone encouraged me to go back and watch some more shows some more episodes and in season 10 there's an episode where the Simpsons go to Japan and I picked up on this joke that I never I never in a million years would have picked up had I not gone to college <laughs> um, there, it's a line where um, Marge says uh, well, Homer, you're, you'll, I think you'll like Japan. Don't, uh, you, you said that you really enjoyed, uh, Rashomon and Homer responds. That's not how I remember it. Um, if you're not familiar with Rashomon, it's an Akira Kurosawa film about, uh, a murder mystery done in feudal Japan, done in like ancient feudal Japan, where the whole story is about unreliable narrators about people just telling their own versions of the story and nobody gets it right because <laughs> nobody remembers the story right. I see. Okay. It's just, I'm like, wow, I never would have picked up on that had I not known this. <laughs> That's awesome. See, it's good to have obscure information. It pays off most uh, some of the time. <laughs> Alternatively, I could also go on the other side where uh, oh, there was a joke from... Uh, Invader Zim, way back when, where it's it's such a non sequitur that you have to think about it for a moment when you hear it. And it's, Zim is uh, working on some guy and he's walking around on these giant little spider legs, like on, from coming from his backpack. Right. And he's talking to Gurr, who's uh, like actually questioning his orders. And... Zim looks back at him and says, you dare tell me what I already know? And Gur's like, did you know that? Of course I, your legs are stupid. And he walks off. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, because he's on spider legs right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Invader Zim. That, 
Special. Finish. Have you seen the movie yet, by the way? I did. I actually went through, watched the movie. I Again, another thing that I highly recommend to everybody. That really, it was quite entertaining. I think that the, the what do you call it, um, the Professor Membrane joke not scientifically possible is turned into a meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that whole, it, it was nice to have some small form of closure from that. <laughs> That was good. Movie. If you want to call it closure. Right. Oh, man. Because I'm pretty sure that that show's had, like, the entire cast get killed at some point or another at one in one way or some uh, or another. I think there was an episode where, like, Zim and Dib become just two sentient slabs of baloney. Yeah, I do believe that was an episode. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, so... You know, you talk about all this uh, stuff that you have going on and things that you have to do. And um, I'm just curious, after, you know, you put in your hours and you've gone through and, and ran your paces, what do you do to unwind at the end of it all? Well, um, I have some groups that I get together with to play games. Um, video games mostly would be my thing, but I, I haven't had nearly as much time as I used to, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because I've got a lot of really ambitious projects on my belt and I need to spend every waking moment thinking about them and hyperventilating about them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, I play a lot of video games on my own. Uh, I play some group games with some friends. Like I'm, I'm going through, what is it? Odin sphere right now. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and for like multiplayer games, I'm playing Monster Hunter World and like the story mode of Fortnite, which is absolutely astonishing because the writing in that is surprisingly good. Uh, dare I say it's where Borderlands 3 should be, but is not. Ah. One will never know. <laughs> now, uh, Borderlands 3 a had a change. Mixed right, reviews on BL3, so. Well, a lot again. Like uh, I, I hear it's a fantastic game. I hear that it's very well done. Like the the gameplay is fantastic. It's just the writing isn't there, and the villains are very aggravating. Uh, that's one thing that really really baffles me is that when when you come up with a villain that just isn't enjoyable to be around. Because um, when I, I I came up with three villain uh, three to four villains for Magus Elgar. And each of them have different ends of the spectrum. There's one where I'm just not taking myself seriously, and there's one where I'm actually trying to explore something a little more complex. Oh, okay. Because um, with uh, with Got Iron Ball and Minister Double, well, with Minister Double Trike and his bodyguard Got Iron Ball, they're just like car Saturday morning cartoon villains. They're just a foil that uh, people can really enjoy getting behind, and their banter is always kind of amusing. Right. Uh, but then I've got Victus, who's this uh, very serious character who has a who has lost a great deal of people close to him due to the collateral damage of magic and is seeking retribution and basically saying, like, humanity no longer humanity doesn't have the wherewithal or the responsibility to be gifted with such a dangerous thing. Bum. 
I mean, it's all very like Legend of Korra or uh, other shows of that kind of caliber or right. just, you know, uh, the man was not meant to have such power and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, that makes for a good villain. He kind of you can kind of almost sympathize with them a little bit. Yeah, like the, the I I really love villains where their argument is they do have a leg to stand on. It's just their their measures or the methodology is not something you have to approve of. Not being not not to not not to say that like villains that are just comically over the top aren't don't have a place in this world. They absolutely do, and I love every second of them. Uh-huh. Like uh, no no one can tell you that they don't enjoy listening to what is it Lord Frieza from Dragon Ball Z because he's just so comically over the top villainous <laughs> and it's yeah. just totally shameless about it and it's fun it's enjoyable yeah i mean you you get you you're sitting there you're like oh man like i just i hate that character but you you can't help but listen it's like yeah you know i hate to or i love to hate that person yeah, some sometimes you enjoy complex villains that have that that challenge your own understanding of morality, and then sometimes you want somebody to be like, "I'm going to crash this oil tanker into the beach to teach the sea lions a lesson." <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> uh, well, that actually leads me into another question I have for you: What uh, is your best impression? Oh God, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've done I've done tons of voices of other things, and like when I when I get into when I get into characters, I I end up having a blast just taking aspects of voices that I know I can do, and toying around with them. Um, probably one one example was uh, when I was playing around with uh, trying to do a Stitch voice. I end up discovering the voice that would eventually become Magus Sigari in Magus Elgar. Well, it's a little bit up in this region. It's almost like if Stitch got a PhD. <laughs> and that's awesome. Because now I can't get the image out of my mind of Stitch walking around with a stethoscope and a doctor's coat and <laughs> adjusts his glasses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good, man. Uh, so, you know, we're we're coming up to um, the end of the show here. Um, I try to keep them around 30 minutes because I know that time is extremely valuable for everybody these days. But, you know, especially more so for my guests that are on here. So I would like to take these last few minutes here just to let you go and say um, where anybody can go to find more of you, more of your voices, you know, your work, just anything like that. Well, if you want to see more of my work, you can always visit KennedyPhillips.org. That's Kennedy like the president, Phillips like the screwdriver, .org. And you can see samples of my editing work, my sound design work, my voice actory nonsense, um, among other things. But if you really want to listen to Magus Elgar, uh, if you visit MagusElgar.com, M-A-G-U-S-E-L-G-A-R.com, 
You can listen to uh, all the episodes, which are now available for free. They're available on Spotify, iTunes, wherever pods are cast. You can also go to our YouTube page, where we have trailers explaining various aspects of the planetane of Hearth. And we also have an animated short on there to uh, showcase a little bit of what a cartoon would look like if we ever got that off the ground. I really hope that you decide to take a listen to Magus Elgar. We have all the episodes available right now. So go, go listen to it. You've probably got lots of time to kill. So a half hour is probably not going to kill you. I also would uh, posit to those who are listening to this, if you can listen to the first five minutes of the first episode, I promise you, you'll enjoy the rest. Just Beautiful. give it at least that. Beautiful. I couldn't have said it better myself. That, that really, that's, that's it. You, you listen to the beginning and I guarantee you'll be hooked. It's great. So, um, you know, again, I just want to say one last time, thank you so much, Kennedy, for coming on the show. Um, let me pick your brain a little bit, ask you the hard hitting questions that everybody wants to know. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> well, and um, with that, you know, I can let you go to finish up what you need to do. I got two more things I wanted to share if uh, you got a sec. Oh, absolutely. Go for it. Um, well, so uh, for those of you who are local to the uh, uh, Southern California area, uh, in uh, Orange, there's going to be an event called uh, Stellar, which is a raw artists festival where I'm going to be showcasing Magus Elgar and showing off some posters. Uh, it's uh, October 16th from 7 p.m. to about 10 p.m. Um, I can get, I'll, I'll give uh, I'll give you the link to where you can pick that up to go. I'll also be attending uh, Pod Tales, which will be in um, Massachusetts. Um, I forget what university it's at, but there's also like uh, if you go to like PodTales.org, I think it is. Uh, they have a an event showcasing tons of podcasts on October twentieth. Yeah, yeah, I believe they do. Yeah, October twentieth. Cambridge University, I think. Yeah, Cambridge University. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that looks to be a good time. I'm planning on getting there, so you know, definitely check it out. Uh, that uh, the website and see you know who all the podcasters go on. It's good. It looks like it's going to be a really great time. It'll be a hoot. <laughs> Again, thank you one last time, Kennedy. I appreciate you being here, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Breaking the Fourth Wall. Thanks, and see you later. That's it for today's show, ladies, gentlemen, and anything around or in between. Another great interview. Remember, I'm Ray, and this has been Breaking the Fourth Wall. Check me out at Chronicles of the Lost Realm on YouTube, Anchor, and Instagram. I can also be found on War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Become a patron to help us provide even more content and quality entertainment for you. All of our shows can be found on Anchor.fm or wherever podcasts can be heard. Breaking the Fourth Wall is a Realm of the Mist affiliate.